too. Yo, what's good? We are back with the original podcast, and we got the Decade Investor on. Um, he is super excited. We are super excited. We're going to get a lot of questions asked. We're going to do a lot of things that are going to teach you guys a lot of things about investing, long-term investing. So I'm just going to kick it right over to him. Uh, tell me about where you started. Like, where did you come up from? Like, how old were you when you started investing? And like, what made you want to invest? So let's talk about that first. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. Um, I'm super great to be, uh, grateful to be here and just kind of chat about this stuff, man. I love uh, talking about this stuff, especially to people my age or around my age. Uh, so I got into v investing at around um, 16 years old. Uh, I started reading about it at about 15, but got into it about 16, 17, right around my birthday. So um, 16, 17 years old. And when I got into investing, let me let me uh, rewind this a little bit. So the reason I got into it, or I was interested in investing is because when I was younger, uh, I, I, you know, I had some jobs or I would do like odd jobs. So I had money, I had cash, but I was like, there has to be a place to put this money for it to like grow. Like how do, how do, you know, wealthy people have money? I was just curious. So uh, I did probably what a lot of people do is I go on Google and I'm like, how do we become wealthy? Or like, how do I, you know, how do we become rich? Uh, and I just Googled and heard about this thing called the stock market investing, you know, mm -hmm. putting my money to work and all that jazz. So uh, then at about 16, 17, um, I got into the stock market and I started with four um, individual stocks and I put a hundred dollars into each of them. So $400 total. And I was like, man, this is it. Like, I'm just going to put my money in these stocks. I did zero research. I couldn't even tell you like what those stocks are. Uh, I could tell you like the stock tickers, but I couldn't tell you like what this, those companies did or anything. Um, and, and I just was like, okay, this is it. And like a year later, I lost, you know, more of that money than I, I gained. So I, I, you know, I lost money. I'm like, this, this doesn't seem right. Like I'm losing money. I thought the stock market, uh, you know, was supposed to make money and all this stuff. So that's when I kind of did more research and I realized, uh, like to a invest in what, you know, but also B to invest. Um, you know, a lot of people like just talk about like index funds or ETFs. Um, so around, you know, a year or so later after I started investing, I switched to doing ETF investing. Um, and that's kind of where I have my foundation uh, of my portfolio. Um, and, and so from there, it's just been, you know, I was just adding whatever money I could, like I was in college and stuff like that. So I didn't have like, you know, all this money to invest. I was just throwing whatever money I could into, into, uh, my ETFs, into the stock market. Um, and then from there, uh, just, just been like adding more money every single month when, you know, I got out of school, I got a job, I was adding money, uh, making more money, putting more money in. And just like, as my income has increased, I'm just shoveling as much money as I can, um, into the stock market because, uh, you know, especially now, like, you know, younger investors, it's not necessarily about like hitting it. I mean, yeah, we all want to hit it rich quick, but, but we really want to focus on like, we're not, we don't need that money right now. So we're trying to accumulate. So I'm just buying as much as I can. Um, as fast as I can, so I can accumulate as much as I can. Um, and then over the course of the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, uh, that money will hopefully, you know, putting it in the right investments will, will you know, be worth a lot more than what it is today. That's super, that, that's great. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm, I mean, I started last year and I'm just trying to get as much money in right now in good companies. Um, you talked about, you talked about ETFs, but are you into in individual stocks or picking individual stocks in your portfolio? Yeah. So I do uh, some individual stocks myself. Uh, I have about 31 individual stocks in a separate portfolio. I just kind of like to separate my ETFs from my individual stocks. Um, and, and it's all just long-term buy and holds. Uh, they're mostly like big uh, blue chip mega cap stocks. So, you know, they're pretty much, they're all in the S&P 500 already. Um, but I just want to have more exposure to them rather than just through an ETF. So, you know, it's companies like Apple, Microsoft, uh, and they, most, most of them, 
uh, pay dividends. So like waste management, Pepsi, Coca-Cola. Uh, but it's, it's more of just, I want a little bit more exposure into those individual stocks. But at the end of the day, I mean, if I could probably do it again, I'd rather just go all ETFs, but I kind of have it set up uh, where it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's basically an ETF itself. It's like 31 stocks, but that's uh, interesting. Why would you rather do ETFs if you started? Um, because I, like, if you look at the numbers and you look at the, the history of like the stock market and people trying to beat the stock market, um, it's really hard over the long term to beat the stock market. Mm -hmm. And so even with like individual stock picking, how I'm doing it with, it's like, uh, you know, blue chip stocks, like, uh, Apple, Microsoft, you know, these big name companies that are, that have done really well in the past five years, uh, or, or prior to, um, it's really hard to just to beat the market. And so, uh, you know, if I look at my, if I look at the returns of the S and P over the last five years, and well, I started this individual portfolio at the beginning of 2020. So over the last, you know, two years and then the two years of my individual stock portfolio, um, I'm definitely doing the S and P is definitely doing better. Now that's not really much of a time frame to look at. It's only two years. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's at the end of the day, like you really can't go in my opinion, like how I'm doing, I can't go wrong either way. Um, but if I just look at the historical data, it's like, I should, I would be better off probably just staying S and P, but you know, we're all human beings. So part of us is like, we think we can beat the S and P. So, you know, I'm doing it that way. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where it's like the S and P is tried and true. Um, and when you, especially when you're investing in, you know, S and P, which holds 500 or a little bit more stocks, but 500 companies, um, you know, different sectors within the market are going to be down when others are up. So like, you know, a lot of people were, are heavy or were heavy in tech and tech's taking a beating right now. Right. Uh, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, and Tesla, not really tech, but kind of tech related or tech focused companies. Um, they're all taking a beat or growth focused, which is usually tech is taking a beating right now. Um, while like, you know, maybe these more defensive stocks or consumer stable stocks are not doing as bad. So it's just the market cyclical. And when you do usually with your individual stock picking, people can do what, what happens is they see like, Oh, Tesla did really well the last three years. So it's going to continue to do that the next three years. And it's like, well, probably not, right? Because Tesla would have to be 3x the size in terms of market cap, which is probably not going to happen in the next three years. Um, well, maybe it could, but probably not. Um, and so you kind of, it, it just takes the, like when you just do S&P or like a big, large uh, or broad ETF, like VOO, S&P or like VTI, which is a total US market. When you do that, it's really simple. Just kind of like put it in there and you know that historically speaking, and you know, you can trust that in the future, it will probably do okay. It's not, you don't have to sleep with one eye open as much when you're in like a broad market ETF. Absolutely. Uh, where did yeah. you go ahead? Well, sorry about that. Uh, I love how you talk about like the beat the market mentality. Like I feel like, cause a lot of our listeners are just starting out investing and they're our friends and they're trying to get into the investing game. And I definitely like whenever I started, that was like mentality is like, I'm smart enough that I think I can beat the market. And I feel like a lot of people start to go downhill when they like start to think like that. So I love how you emphasize that is just all those listeners who are like just kind of integrating into like managing their money for themselves and trying to like maybe have a long-term gain or like try to have a short-term gain. Um, like the beat the market mentality is often is often kind of corrosive to your own like money and how how you manage it so i love how you talk about that yeah i mean if, if you look at it like uh just psychologically and how majority of investors work or people just in general um when it comes to investing is they you know the the common saying is you know buy low sell high um uh, but a lot of people do the inverse where they you know they're like right now they're like the, you know the s p's down that's like five or six percent on the year now but when it was down like ten percent on the year 
everyone was like, you know, the stock market's a scam. It, it's losing me money, but that's when you buy. And then, you know, a year ago when the market was only going up, everyone was like, I love the stock market. I'm buying, I'm buying. So psychologically speaking, majority of people, they do the opposite of what you should do is when they, when the market's hot, they buy, when the market cools off and is negative or down, they, you know, get mad, they sell off. They're like, it's a scam. I'm losing money. Right. And so, uh, when it comes to like individual investors, can individual investors beat the market over the long term? Like just simple, you know, day traders that's just managing their own money? Sure, it's possible. You know, maybe over a three, four, five, maybe you know a 10-year time frame. But most of the time, the odds are stacked against you. And I'm someone that's I'm play the odds game of like, even if it was like 90%, I'm not gonna beat it and 10% I will beat it as an individual trader. Not that I do, I don't do any trading, but just say, say for example. I would, you know, I'm going to take my odds of I'll just take the 90% chance of being the market than trying to beat the market. Because like you said, when you try to beat the market, um, you try, you chase returns, especially if you're inexperienced, you chase returns, you chase, you know, historical performance and stuff like that, which actually hurts your portfolio performance moving forward. Oh, I have a question. How did you learn? So like, did you just look up YouTube videos? Did you have a mentor? Like where, where did you learn the majority of your information? Yeah, it came a lot from books. It came a lot from uh, YouTube. Um, and that was, you know, asking people in my life that I that I know that invest, but a really a lot of it came from, you know, I always tell people, you know, my mentor was Warren Buffett. And not like I, I don't know the guy personally, you know, he, he could walk past me on the street, he wouldn't reckon, I would, you know, stuff like that. But I read his books, you know, where he's talked through his books or wrote his books or someone wrote books about him or, uh, you know, speeches that he's given on YouTube. Uh, but it's really came from books and YouTube. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of money books out there, right? You go on Amazon, you type in money books or finance books. There's a lot out there at the end of the day, like the basics of investing personal finance is, you know, there's nothing like no one necessarily disagrees on a lot of, I mean, there's certain aspects, like if you go to polarization of like extremes, but generally speaking, it's pretty much the same information, whether you read it in book A, B or C or D, but how book A, B, C or D relates that information or relays that information is kind of maybe what clicks. So for me, you know, I've read, I don't know how many books I read, 30, 40, 50 money books. They all kind of say this, they all say the same thing, but the way they say it's different and how like, you know, Ridge, you might, you know, understand it might be different from Will than from myself, right? The way that everyone understands it is slightly different. So like what works, what book works for me might not work as well, you know, for someone else or the other person. So, but at the end of the day, like what they're trying to relay is basically the same. It's just mm -hmm. kind of how it's presented. Um, but it was a lot of just reading, watching YouTube. Um, and really now like YouTube is just a massive platform. And I tell people, Hey, go to you. Like, if you have a question on you know, anything like how to change a tire, like everything's on YouTube and it's all free too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, YouTube would be where I would go. Uh, or, you know, I, I think the one place where people kind of like shy away from paying for something is when it comes to money, right? Like, why would I pay $20 for a book that I can just Google information, which is a very valid point. Um, but, but my point is, is like when you're, when you're reading or like when you pay for someone's like pay for someone to help you out. Right. Or you pay for like time for someone that, you know, that's where you want to be. You pay for their time. You can, you know, work with them one-on-one. -on -one. So for example, if I watch a YouTube video on how to buy, how to set up an account and buy an ETF on Fidelity or a stock or whatever, if I watch a YouTube video and I get stuck somewhere right? You can't like pause the video, ask the person who created the video and they're going to tell you right then. Like the video is pre-recorded. There's nothing you can do. Um, so I think the one, it's just like the, the, because it's about money, there's like that one small, like, I don't know what it is like psychological thing inside of people of like, 
know, why pay for someone? I can Google it. Great. But, you know, Google, you can't necessarily ask your questions and get a response to. Um, but I mean, when it comes to the basics, yeah, a book, like uh, a few books like The Millionaire Next Door, uh, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Um, you know, there's one, uh, Millennial Investor. Yeah, Intelligent Investor, okay. uh, Millennial Guide uh, to Investing or something. like. That. There's a few books um, that I always recommend on my Twitter and stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, books and YouTube is, is really, I mean, for a very minimal fee, you can learn a lot of information. So I had a question like based around what you just said. Um, so a lot of these people, like they're, they're going in and I kind of talked about this, like with my previous question, but they're kind of going in, like they just don't know a lot. So what tips would you give them for when they're narrowing their search for specific information? So like what to like steer clear from and then like what to really pay attention to. So like they're going to look up these YouTube videos and a lot of it could be beneficial and a lot could be detrimental. But like where would you do like what would your words of like how to decipher between the two be? Yeah, great question. I think for me, like the important thing, especially whenever like if you're a younger investor and you're new to the market, it's really easy to like go on YouTube and type in, you know, how to invest or how to start investing. And you're going to see videos or like of thumbnails of young kids in front of a Lamborghini saying, you know, trading made me a millionaire or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they're in front of a you know mansion, all this jazz. Um, and, and, you know, that's the negative of, of, of uh, YouTube that can be there is like people selling, you know, this, crazy dream that like you can start with $300 and trade it in one year to $3 million and all this stuff. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, it's definitely possible, but it, it's usually those people are making their money somewhere else than through trading. Um, and, and so I would, especially if you're just starting out, I know it can be flashy to want to click on that and see how they're doing that and hear them explain, you know, here's my trading secret, the secret that made me millionaire in one year, right? It's, it's flashy especially, you know, uh, you know, we're younger here and the listeners, like you said, are probably younger. So we all want that nice car, the flashy house. Right. But the truth is, is like steer, steer away from those because those are where you're going to fall into a bad trading habits of trying to trade when you, you know, don't have a foundation set, but also B is you're going to fall into, you know, a trap of you know, getting sold that like the market is just only goes up. Right. I can only make money with trading. It only goes up. I can take my little bit of money I have now and turning into a lot of money later. So definitely steer, steer away in a short time frame. definitely steer away from those kinds of videos. Um, you know, if they're, if they're just posted in front of a Lamborghini and the title says like, you know, uh, uh, how to become a millionaire in a year by trading, you know, or, or here's my trading secret that will make you stuff like those. Like definitely stay away from those because, um, yeah, just stay away from those when it, but what I would focus on more, especially if you're younger is under like watch videos or read books about the basics because at the end of the day like if if you understand the basics of investing in money just in general then it doesn't really matter necessarily like where you start or what happens in your journey you can always revert back to the basics so like the basics being you know invest a portion of your paycheck uh buy you know in my in my opinion buy broad market funds and build a foundation around them um you know don't don't spend every dollar you make stuff like that. Like those kinds of personal finance basics will allow you no matter where your portfolio grows to, no matter what money you make in terms of income, you will always have the basics directing you to the right path. So, I mean, in terms of like, you know, maybe in like a YouTube search would be something like, you know, uh, how to begin ETF investing. 
the basics to investing, investing 101 for beginners, like those kinds of videos usually are not going to be like, they're not going to have a thumbnail of a Lamborghini. Uh, or if they do, you know, like I know Graham Stefan, I don't know if you guys watch him on YouTube. He does sometimes with those, but he, he's really good to watch. So like YouTubers like Graham Stefan, YouTubers like Andre Jick, those guys that have like, you know, they're not selling this crazy pipe dream of like, I just traded, you know, all this money in, in uh, you know, to make a lot of money in a month or whatever. Um, definitely focus more on those to build your foundation. That's where you're going to get directed to the right way, the right path of, of, you know, investing and building your wealth. Absolutely. That was a great response. Um, do you watch any meet Kevin at all? Mm -hmm. Do you like him? Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't have a, I don't really, I'm indifferent. Um, I'm not, you know, he's great. I, he does, he does, he definitely does like the social media stuff, uh, to kind of get the people to watch or whatever. So, um, I don't know. Do, do you, do you like him? I like me, Kevin. I just like his like opening and closing live streams. He does a lot about talking like about an individual stocks. I think he's good, but I also watch Graham and uh, Andrew. So I, I kind of get all three. So I kind of get Graham's point of view, Andrew's and me, Kevin's like, I really, if I have time to watch all three of their videos, that's what I do. But I yeah. mean, they, they really are good at like teaching you certain things and specific things. So yeah, I know, I know me, Kevin got a lot of uh, stuff for uh, selling all entire, yeah. his entire portfolio, but um I, I don't know. I mean, as someone who's on that side, not to that level, but at that side of like creating content and people kind of feel as if like they're a part of your journey. Not that, no, not that they aren't, but that they can kind of run your money per se, uh, like a weird thing through social media. Um, I didn't have a problem with him selling off all his stuff. I mean, um, he, he definitely has like compared to the average person that's investing, he has a way different uh, like income, a way different cash flow, just a whole different ball game so i didn't have a problem with him selling his i know a lot of people did not like his yeah. you know i'm selling i think it was a lot of his course members like a lot like because he obviously sells that course and then like that mm -hmm. happened and all the course members were like you were just buying yesterday you always tell us like your sell button's broken or whatever and then he yeah. tweets out sell everything period and it's just like <laughs> everyone's like what the fuck yeah like, yeah wow yeah i mean it, at the end of the day like and he, you know, I was watching, uh, maybe he was talking about, or someone was talking about, about his video, but you know, he, 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 like, if he was doing this, but not sharing it, like not having social media, which he made his money through social media, but like, if he didn't have social, not all of it, but some of it, um, if he didn't have like social media, he wasn't really sharing it on social media, no one would really say anything, but it's because he presents it through social media. Um, and I, I get that, I get it on my own time. I feel like, yeah. you know, you're doing this, you say, you know there's just certain things that you just have to kind of, it's just a part of the game, not game, but just a part of like the journey. And I created my social media to just share my journey and uh, people latch onto that for various reasons. But then some people feel as if like, you know, uh, they are a part of that journey too, per se, and like kind of want you to make the decisions that they want you to make rather than like what's best for you kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, but I, 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 I used to watch his live streams every day. Yeah. While we're on the topic, we might as well talk about how you got your Twitter startup, how you got your social media startup. Like what made you want to um, teach other people, like kind of do what we're doing, like um, teach other people about what you know and how you built up to 60,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, man. So uh, I moved, so I graduated college at the end of 2019 um, and I moved to Houston, Texas, right before, right at the beginning of 2020, right before, uh, you know, COVID hit and all that stuff. And so I moved down there. Um, I didn't know anyone and I was working a job like this is great. It's going good. And then the world shut down and I was like stuck in my apartment and I couldn't meet anyone because like everything was just shut down. 
Um, and, and I really like, I mean, I've been loving investing for years. So I was like, where could I go to be able to share, just like connect with people per se that are into what I'm into. So uh, I was doing a YouTube channel at the time, the one I have now, but it was under my personal name. And uh, I was like, I would always say in the video, I'd always be like, uh, you know, I invest for the long term. Uh, I invest for decades. Like I'm the decade investor, or I would say I'm like a decade investor. And then, so when I got onto Twitter, you had to create your username and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't want it to be connected. I have, you know, I don't want it to be like a personal with my name, uh, but I want to use a name that's kind of investing related. So I was like, let me just do this decade investor thing. Um, and so I created that uh, in May of 2020 and I just had it for like a couple months. I never really did anything with it. And then at the end of uh, July of 2020 um, is when I was like, okay, let me just try like to tweet, just kind of see what it is. Um, and people, you know, started following, they started sharing my content um, and it just kind of ramped up from, you know, in the first year, uh, I think, uh, I don't even know, by the end of 2020, I was at 10,000. So I'm not really sure where I was at a year, but now I'm just, just under 60,000 um, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, man, I, I don't, I really have truly have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just kind of sharing my stuff. Uh, but the reason I got on there now, like I'm, I'm transitioned to, you know, just sharing my journey and like trying to help other people because like what you guys are doing, you know, there's a lot of people that are interested in this stuff. And maybe they don't know because no one in their life has like told them about it. Maybe, you know, schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we have personal finance classes, but no one really like, you know, teaches it well or it's not really interesting the way they teach it. It's boring or whatever. So I'm like, I just want to be like a third party person to like teach people about investing, especially younger people to realize like the importance of just like starting, you know, whether it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars a month investing, it could be a couple hundred bucks. But over the course of your career and your life, like that can really add up to something big. Absolutely. That's great. I'm, I mean, I know we're trying our hardest to like try to teach everyone, teach everyone our age, but like it's hard because like we kind of got in at the point where everyone's trying to do this now and like everyone's trying to grow their Twitter, grow their YouTube, whatever. So like obviously we, we only have a couple hundred followers, so like we're not reaching many people, but like so then what we've tried to do is we've tried to reach more kids like at our school. So like we've tried to create this investing club, um, create like nice. stories for our buddies like what we're doing in the market, like how much money we're investing. I've started that newsletter. I mean, it hasn't really gone anywhere, but it's, I've just sent the newsletter to all my buddies and like, it's helped them for sure. But it's like, we're not reaching many people outside of us. And it's just because everyone's trying to do it now. I feel like, every, I feel like a lot of people are starting this and trying yeah. to reach a lot of people, which I mean, I think is good. I think that's great. I think that like, we all need to invest. I think everyone having more money would, I don't know. I don't want to say this, but I feel like money buys happiness. I don't know. I feel like money uh, can definitely lead to some happiness. Yeah, th there's definitely like a, a level. Uh, I would say, you know, I think obviously the inverse, like not having money is not like does not mean you're happy. Right. Yeah. Like you see a lot of people that don't have a lot of money. Like there's, just, you know, there's a lot of things that come with it. But I think there's a in my opinion, there's a ceiling per se of money buying happiness. Um, studies, do, sh studies show that's like $70,000 a year, $80,000 a year. Um, which, you know, is what studies show. I don't, I don't know off that, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've been able to make a lot of money, uh, just like through my social media and all that stuff. Um, and, and to me, like, you know, there comes a point when it's like, you know, money, money, maybe to me, like money doesn't buy my happiness. It's what the, what money brings that gets my happiness. That makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. like the freedom, right. Of like freedom of time, freedom of location, freedom of, uh, you know, relationships or 
Like, yeah, exactly. Get freedom food to you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so to me, like, yeah, not having money is not like ideal, right? But there comes a point when it's like, you know, having having money is is cool at first. It's like a short term thing, but what money can provide, and to me, I mean, you know, top one percent in terms of income is four hundred thousand, four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in the U.S. So it's like, it's not like I mean, that's roughly thirty, forty grand a month, maybe like thirty five grand a month or whatever, uh, in terms of, um, income pre-tax. But, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, there, there's definitely a level. I think there, you know, once you get past that, yeah, like you can buy all, like once you can buy all the cars that you want, all the, like the house that you want, whatever, you got to have something else that fulfills that. Cause if not, then like, you're just gonna be chasing money. And you, you know, we've all heard stories of people that all they focus on is money yeah. and their life goes downhill, their relationships go downhill. So there's gotta be something else. Um, but yeah, definitely not having money um, is not ideal either. I have a question that's kind of off topic where we're at and back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, do you do any speculative investing? Like, do you do any, like, let's say like picking stocks that are like low market cap or like aren't making a profit yet? Or do you like fun fundamentally analyze stocks or any, anything mm -hmm. of that sort? Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fundamental person, uh, in terms of stocks. You know, I like to look at the, um, leadership of the company. I like to look at just like the, the market that the, the company's in the sector they're in, um, the, like what's going on in there. I'm, I'm not a huge TA guy, like technical. I don't look at charts at all, uh, other than just like seeing what the price is, whatever, um, and where it's been, but I'm big fundamental. Like who's leading the company? What is like, are they trying to grow the company? Are they just kind of like just sing at the top, you know, like just not really trying to do anything. I mean, everyone's trying to grow the company, but are they actually like showing that they're trying to grow the company? So like an example, um, a stock that I own is Johnson and Johnson, which is like a massive company could probably not do any innovation and still be very successful just because of the sheer size that they are. Uh, but their leadership, and this is, this is, uh, I can't remember exactly is maybe less than you know, more than like five or six months ago. I read an article, um, that the management was interested in trying to grow into, uh, technology in the medical fields, so like, uh, with surgeries, like technology, like robots and surgery, and which is like, I think it's very, you know, innovative and it's going to be here sooner than we think, but it's, it's definitely a space that's growing. And, you know, a company like Johnson and Johnson is putting a lot of money and time and research into this space. So for me, it's like, is Johnson and Johnson right, a massive company? Of course, but they're still trying to find ways to grow and expand their company. And they can, because they have a lot of capital to do so. Um, and there's a big company, but in terms of like speculative, um, you know, one space I'm, I'm really interested in, I don't do any like individual speculation per se for stocks. Uh, cause it's just really hard to pick companies that, um, are going to do well, especially in like newer spaces. Um, which I, sh I should, cause I'm really excited about this space, but, uh, is the electric vehicle space, uh, just like electric cars, just electric yes. infrastructure, uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I personally don't invest in any individual electric vehicle companies that are like a Rivian, or, or uh, like a, a, a lucid, a lucid. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name lucid um, or anything like that. But I do invest in an EV ETF that holds those companies. What's um, the ticker on that? That one is IDRV. IDRV. Um, okay. IDRV. Yeah, they have. There's another one. It's like DRIV. Um, that's uh, Global X's. I have IDRV, which is uh, uh, can't think of who's the company that runs it. But anyways. Um, so, I, you know, I, to me, so like with the EV space, something that's really interesting is in 2020, in 2020, 7% of the cars sold around the world were new cars sold were electric vehicles, which is, I mean, a, a pretty good amount in 2020. 
And you have, but you have countries like Norway, which like, I believe it was over 50% of those cars, new cars sold were electric. There's, you know, very ahead of the curve. Um, but, and then in 2021, this article when I read it was not, 2021 wasn't completed, but it was estimated that roughly 9% of new cars sold will be electric. By 2030, this, artic this article I was reading uh, mentioned that some people that do studies said that uh, um, nearly 50% of new cars sold will be electric by uh, 2030. So to me, you know, I'm like, I already think electric vehicles are growing space. I think it's going to be, you know, come sooner than we think. There's a lot of things that have to be fixed with the electric vehicles and prices of them and all that stuff. But I think it's a growing space. So for me, I'm like, I want to get my money in early. I don't know what company, what car manufacturer, you know, Tesla is obviously the biggest, but I don't know like any other smaller ones that will, you know, will Rivian be here in, you know, 10 years or will they, will they, you know, they're still really, really new. Lucid's still really, really new. Um, I don't know which one, but also with this ETF, I can invest into uh, like charging companies, you know, that, like that will point. work. Yeah, ChargePoint and yeah. others that, you know, are going to, we need, I mean, if you're going to build, if you want people to have electric cars, you have to give them that, uh, that ability to, uh, um, uh, like charge it, right? It's like a gas station, but you have the charger point. Yeah. So you're talking about EV. So I, I'm actually invested in Tesla and Lucid. Sa I mean, sadly Lucid, but I mean, I was in it so such an early time. It's like, it's kind of hard for me to sell. Like I'm, I'm in it like $13. Yeah. So 13, $14. So it's like, I don't really think it's ever going to go down there again, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if it drops below 20, like what stops it from going to 15? And then it's like, okay, 15, do I take my profits now? Or like, what do I do? Like, what? Yeah. Like they sold like a third of how many cars they needed to in 2021. And it's like, okay, wow. So they're like either overestimating and now they want 20,000 this year. And it's like, dude, you guys barely got 120 last year. I don't know what yeah. your plan is. So it's, I like the idea of the ETF, um, the electric vehicle ETF, where it has the charging ports and all the different big um, electric vehicle companies. I think that's very, I, I think that's smart. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Tesla is obviously the largest and they're losing market share every year, which is fine because uh, the market's growing. So like, you know, imagine a pizza and you have a really big piece of that pizza, but every, you know, you're losing a piece of it every year, but it's getting bigger. So like your piece, even though it's getting smaller, the, the volume is getting bigger. And so, um, so, you know, yeah, you have companies like Rivian, Lucid, uh, that, you know, uh, uh, Polar, Pol, uh, something Polestar? with Pete. Yeah. Polestar, right. Polestar, you know, you have these companies that are, that are newer. Um, you know, they don't have like the ability that Tesla to like, just shell out this massive, you know, manufacturing plant somewhere. And just like, you know, people, Tesla's are everywhere. So it's like, I don't know what company is going to be the next or, you know, the biggest competitor to Tesla. Cause you know, you have like Ford that's, you know, they're up, they're getting the Ford lightning truck. Um, they have the Mustang Mach E that's a full electric. Uh, you have other companies like Volkswagen really stepping into place, Kia, uh, <clears throat> stuff like that. So I don't know which one is going to be. So I'm just like, I don't know which one. I just kind of want the entire, you know, the entire space, including yeah, yeah. like the charging companies too. Absolutely. Um, so that answered my question about your speculative investments. Uh, how do you, so how do you manage your portfolio? Do you like check it like on a monthly basis, weekly basis? Do you ever look at like when you need to like take some profits maybe or anything of that sorts? Like, do you ever like manage a portfolio or man? Like obviously you probably don't manage your ETF portfolio because you just buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold. But maybe with yeah. your individual stocks, do you ever look at a time to take profits possibly or? 
No, I, so I have two like main long-term portfolios, my ETF portfolio and uh, like my individual stock portfolio. Um, and no, I, I have those. So I do one of those through M1 Finance, which is a great like uh, automation. So I just have it like automatically takes money in my, my bank account, puts it in there, invests it. I don't lift a finger. Um, and I just let that one, I, that's where my individual stocks are. And I really don't look at it a lot. I used to look at it like every day. Mm. And then I was like, okay, I'll look at it twice, you know, uh, every other week or every other day or something like that. And then now I very rarely open it up. Uh, I just kind of let it go. My ETF portfolio, I open up cause I don't, they don't have the automatic investing. So I have to uh, go in there and put money in every week, but, uh, which is fine. Um, and no, I, I really don't look at those because my, with those, my plan is, is to just, you know, put money in the ETFs, put money in the individual stocks that even if they're like, they run up in price really high. So like, uh, let's say Apple, you know, has a really, uh, last year they had a really big run up or these other companies have a really, really big run up. Um, the market, you know, goes up and down. So there'll be a time when they fall back down just like now. So now I can, you know, just continually buy the same amount every single week and just get money into them, whether they're high, low, but over the course of the next 10 or 20 years, I'm investing into companies that I believe will grow, you know, up into the right over that time frame. So uh, I'm not too worried about, you know, you know, pulling profits or, you know, shedding certain positions and adding to other ones because it'll all even out over the course of a you know, long time horizon. So in terms of managing, I have to manage my crypto portfolio a lot more because that's, that goes up and down a lot more, yeah. but uh, we'll get into uh, that in just a little bit. Yeah. I but in terms of that, yeah, but in terms of, uh, in terms of my, um, like stock portfolio, everything. Now, all I'm buying basically is I have my auto investments in my M1 from my individual stocks and I just buy a VOO, the S&P 500. I'm just, that's kind of what I'm focused on is just buy that uh, for now. Uh, so I can, I'm, I'm kind of a little more excited about crypto stuff. Like you said, we'll talk about that in a second, but um, so I'm just, I'm just simply for those, just buy, hold and focus, you know, let it, let it ride for the next 10, 20 years, whatever it is. Okay. So I love that, like your stance on how you manage your money. And I think a lot of people would benefit from this stance. Um, you talk about M1 as a resource, which I've heard numerous times been mentioned, especially for people who are long-term, which is perfect because a lot of the people listening are pretty long-term and they don't, they're kind of more defensive. Like they don't want to check a lot because they have a lot of other things going, especially because we're high school seniors and we're going into college right. and we'll have a lot to do, but um just as a resource, M1, like, how'd you get into that? And then, like, is it is it, like, a fee? Like, is do you have to pay, like, a subscription? Or is it just, like, free? Um, and then, like, how, basically, they, like, take it out of the account? Because I just, I just know that would be a good resource for several of our listeners. Yeah, so M1 um, is, like, a Robinhood or, uh, like, a Fidelity. Uh, probably Robinhood is what a lot of younger investors know. Um, so there's no, like, monthly fee. There's no, you know, account minimums you have to have. Uh, it, it all, so how it basically works is like, imagine a pie or like a pizza. Um, you can go in there and set, you know, I want 10% of my, my pie to be in Apple or 30% to be in VOO, which is S&P or, or whatever you can do. You know, one holding at all, you can do five. You can do like I have 30, you can have up to a hundred stocks, you know, 1% each. Um, and basically how it works is you just, you know, link your bank account and you can set up something in there. It's like auto deposit, auto transfer. And, you know, I want to do $25 a week or, you know, whatever your number is, uh, put it in there and it'll automate, like for mine, it automatically pulls from my account every single week for my, uh, it just, you know, you give a permission link from your bank account deposits in, into M1 
And then from M1, like it, it auto invests into it. Um, and, and it's created for long-term investor. So they, there's only certain tra uh, trading or buying and selling hours throughout the day um, just so they can keep their costs down. So it's really, really cheap. Um, and, and yeah, so I really Isn't love it. Restrict? Doesn't it restrict um, like your withdrawal standards? So like you can't like withdraw on like a daily basis or something. Cause I, I heard something about that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard that it like restricts how much you can take out because it really is set up for the long-term investor and it's like set up to regulate your emotions and how you manipulate and manage. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I don't know about the like restrictions, but I do know uh, like if you, if you're using the free version, they have like an upgraded version, but if you have the, the freeze, the difference is like, very minimal. Um, so most 99% of people would be better off just using the free. I use the free for the longest time um, and, and build a really, you know, good, decent sized portfolio with the free. So there's no added benefits that you can't use on free. Um, but they only have like one trading hour on the free version from 8.30 from market open for like an hour after that. So if you're central time zone, 8.30 to 9.30. Um, and if it just like, so if you, you know, you open up at 2 p.m., central time and you want to sell you have to wait till the next day because they only have one trading hour so like that's kind of the restriction they have because it is like you said built for the long-term investor um and that's why i really like it hence you know i'm a long-term investor why not focus on long-term investing and kind of be restricted per se to not be able to take out my money we're back on all right we're back from intermission or whatever y'all want to call it <laughs> so <laughs> we were talking about in one finance the pie um I think we talked about everything stock related that I really wanted to talk about, but I really wanted to get into your crypto ide ideologies and like, how are you, um, what is it called? Diversified. Like, are you like 90% stocks, 10% crypto or what? Because I feel like it's hard for me to hop on the bus right now. Cause it's like, I'm just confused on all of it. I don't know where <laughs> to start. I don't know where to start at all. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get into crypto until, um, beginning of last year beginning of 2021 into 2020. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I was, I spent majority of my investing time investing in the stock market and building a foundation in the stock market. So, so from there, I was like, okay, I can kind of uh, step out of the safer investments and go to crypto, which is, you know, the wild, wild west, the, the crazy like 50%, 80% declines in, in uh, coins overnight and stuff like that, which you don't see in the stock market. Um, so my, but my, so I, as I got into it, I started researching more and trying to just, I just want to like understand the space because there's so many things. Um, and it kind of got to the point where, uh, and I was watching this video and this guy was just talking specifically about Bitcoin. Um, but his, his thought process was, is, you know, we have like what is called like the legacy banking system, which is what we're used to. You know, you go to U.S. Bank or Capital One or Chase Bank or whatever, Wells Fargo, um, you know, you go in there, you, you know, I want to send Ridge a thousand dollars or whatever it is. You know, he has to wait two or three business days into his bank account. He's got to, you know, go through all his paper, not all his paperwork, but he has to go through like certain paperwork and the bank has to do stuff and they keep it all in their stuff. It's just real private per se. So he was like, then we have this new system aka bitcoin where you know i can send ridge a thousand dollars worth of bitcoin instantaneously right in, in a few minutes it can go to his account he can you know do whatever he wants to do with it from there and uh his point it was just like a 30 minute thing but at the end he said all he said how you would like if you are interested or, or this is like a, of your interest and you think that 
Bitcoin or the new banking system will be at least part of our future, maybe not the future, but a part of it, then put your money where you believe that to be the case. So he was saying, if you think 90%, like there's a 90% chance that the legacy system, like the traditional banks we have, will be a part of the future and only 10% chance that Bitcoin or, or you know, this kind of new banking system or this new system, uh, it will be a part of our future, then 90-10, you know, 80-20, whatever the case is. And so for me, I'm roughly about, I haven't ran the number since, but probably 80-20%. So 80% stocks, traditional, and then 20% crypto. Um, just because, and, and that honestly kind of grows more and more every single month or every single quarter, because uh, as I see it, the more like every day or every week there's news coming out that makes me believe crypto is only going to continue to grow and not go like not go regress to like less or minimize or get smaller, like the, the share, uh, the size or whatever volume. So, you know, there, every year it's like there's this many new accounts were open or this much trading volume on this crypto or just in the crypto market as, whole, as a whole or like the market cap of the crypto market is this much compared to last, you know, last year or whatever it was. So. I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in crypto. Um, and and I, I put my money where I believe the future is going. And so, like I said, I'm around 80, 20 now, but, uh, I kind of, kind of gets more and more crypto, but I don't want to go like super crazy. So I know people that are hundred percent crypto, 80% crypto. I don't, I don't want to get anything like that. Um, but I definitely want to put my money where I think the future is going and I might be wrong. Um, but, but I, but I do that after I've built the foundation in the stock market where I know that like, hopefully my money's going to grow at a steady, you know, on average eight to 10% in the S and P. So I've seen you post a lot about these nodes and I've heard it. We heard it on our last podcast uh, with Katie trading. I don't know if you know him, but um, these nodes, are they like dividends each month or are they dividends each day? Like how, how do those work? Cause I, I'm still confused on them and I'm still like lost. I'm like, where the money comes from, like where do they get the money to pay these dividends mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah, um, so, so there's like what a node is in general, like just the word node is essentially a validator on a network. So imagine, uh, for example, you know, you go you go to the bank and or, or let's say it, you go to um, like the gas station and you get gas or you get a drink or whatever and you pay with your card, you put it in the machine. And then it takes your money out, or like it takes money out or charges your card, right? The machine is essentially like validating the transaction. So what a node does on a network is it helps validate transactions that go across the network of the blockchain or, or whatever network it's on. And so those are like what nodes are as a, like by definition, roughly. Then within that, there's like real nodes. And then there's like these new era nodes. So not to get too confusing, a real node, you like actually have, a node on like on that validates transactions or validates movement. Then you have these like fake nodes. What they they're just kind of covered in the word node. Um, but basically, what they do is it, it's you put money into so at a at a base level, you you take a certain crypto. Whether let's just say Avalanche. I'm not sure if you if you know what that is. Mm-mm. Okay, uh, like it's I'll, I'll understand. So okay, so like a it's like Ethereum. You heard of Ethereum? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ether or Ether is like the token of the Ethereum network, which is like Ethereum, uh, which is like ETH. So just imagine like Ethereum is like McDonald's, right? That's like the big network that the blockchain that everyone knows about. 
But then there's also like these newer blockchains on the like that are out there now. So like Avalanche, uh, Polygon, uh, Solana, stuff like that. So anyways, you you take one token and you buy a the native token of a project. So for example, a node project called Cubo that I'm in, you, they have their own token that they've built and it's called Cubo. So you take uh, a certain, in this case, you take Matic, uh, which is like an Ethereum. You take it, you swap it for their native token of the project. And then you, then you, you spend those tokens into their pool of all these other tokens. And then every single day you get paid out a small percent of your tokens back. Okay. And, and so it, it's kind of like a, and then, well, and then with I, those tokens, am I catching this as kind of like a, like a lending service? Yeah. Like I would, yeah. Just to understand, is it like bonds for crypto? Cause that's kind of what it's sounding like. Like you give payment and then you're receiving back like uh, almost like an interest. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you get like a certain percent back every day. Um, but like with the pool of like, so imagine, you know, a bunch of people throw, they swap for the Cubo or the native token, they throw it in the pool. What the project is hopefully doing is taking that all that money together and investing it somewhere to help pay back you for investing into their project. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like a kind of like a, I don't want to say mutual fund, but it's like a, sounds like it's a mutual fund for networking. So it's like, is it accurate to say that it's take it's like it's establishing yourself a position within the blockchain network so that when the traffic increases, are you getting paid more or is this a constant rate? It, it's a constant rate, and and there, the truth is like these kind of new era projects are they're covered in the word node, but they're not really nodes. And uh, I'm gonna throw a word out here that has negative connotation, but it it doesn't mean what the actual uh, like what most people think it means. So a lot of these node projects rely on what is called Ponzi nomics. So we've all heard the word Ponzi scheme, which is like what Bernie Madoff did, like all these, you know, these Ponzi mm. schemes, which are illegal, bad. Ponzi scheme is basically, uh, you know, hey, you guys give me money. I'm, you know, I'm not telling you what I'm doing with it. I'm saying it's coming from other places, but I'm really just using it to shovel around to other people. Uh, it's hidden. You don't know it's doing that. Something relying on Ponzi nomics is not, uh, the same as a Ponzi scheme. So Ponzi nomics and how these projects works work is I use so many tokens to create a node in their project. And then, um, you know, some of those tokens are used to invest into other projects or used to invest to make money to pay you back. But also some of those are used to just pay back other people. So it, it, it's very like, I've been, you know, I do this. I, I, I talk about a lot on Twitter because it's really interesting. It's a cool space, uh, but it's very, very risky. And there's like a lot, there's, there's like a lot of people battling back and forth because, you know, it's, they tell you what they're doing. So it's not illegal because they're telling you exactly what they're doing. You know, Hey, we're using this much to pay back other people using this much to invest this much of this. Right. Um, but it's very like high, high risk. So I always make sure to make a point on my Twitter and on social media, I'm talking about these things. It's like, Hey, I'm doing this, but I also have like so much money in the stock market and so much money in other safer investments that like, if this fails, and there's probably a, there's a higher chance they do than they don't, then, you know, I'm okay. Right. So like, don't, if you have a thousand dollars to invest, don't put it all into this one thing because it's not like it's, you're buying VOO, right. S and yeah. I love, I love how you like clarify that. It's definitely like speculative positions are good. And you talked about this in your stocks and within these uh, nodes and crypto or whatever it may be. 
and this is not like more concentrated on like the crypto based aspect of what you've been talking about and it's not like an attack but like what would you say to someone who's like because the logic is confusing i'm less likely to get into it or because the logic is confusing i therefore like downplay it as like a ponzi scheme yeah i i think i mean i think inherently people are and this is this is just in light like in general when people don't understand something or when it doesn't work out for them it's they revert to just being like oh it's a scam or like oh it's you know it's horrible don't touch that and um you know even like some people call a stock market a scam because they lost money right that i always tell people was like to a understand what you're getting into like just because you know you follow someone on twitter or you follow a youtuber you know meet kevin just bought uh you know in phase or whatever just because he bought that like don't just buy it because he's buying it like actually do your research and understand what you're getting into why you're buying it and understand too that like you know just like if you buy something because a random YouTuber on the internet or random random Twitter person that you, you know, you follow bought it in, in your mind, you really like the only way if it, if it fails is like you, you to, to the, most people, it's like, that's not my fault. That's his fault or her fault. Like I did it cause they did it, but to really like learn and understand, like you kind of have to have those failures. It sucks to lose money, but those failures really do teach you, but they really teach you whenever you, you make a decision, like you do your research you understand something and you go and you invest in it and you lose a hundred bucks in it or whatever, at least you can go back and understand why you lost a hundred bucks or where do you, maybe you slipped up. But if you're just buying it because someone else bought it that you follow, then you, you really have no, like if you, if you lose money on it, your only like conclusion is, Oh, I lost money. Cause they, you know, they just told me to buy it. You have no legitimate lesson to learn from that. Yeah, exactly. I love how you talk about that. And that's talked about in numerous other, like, um aspects is like i feel like definitely for someone who's like new to the game of investing it's so easy to just get behind someone and be like wow this person knows so much like let me just like follow them like just like kind of ducks in a row and that is like pretty much the downfall of like a majority and that's not to generalize because i have seen it and it's so common but like also like just doing your research is just like so important, like especially to me, because I've definitely been in cases like early on where I was like, wow, this person really knows what they're talking about. And then like now as a grown individual and with more knowledge, I can look back and be like, I was just blindly following and that person may know what they're talking about, but they know what they're talking about in their field of knowledge. Like I have no idea because I'm not concentrated in their field of knowledge. So yeah. Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. So, uh, you know, when I first got into these crypto nodes, again, very high risk, like, please understand that they're very high risk. I got into one, my first one. And I was like, man, this is great. Like I'm making, you know, this much money back every day. It's like, this is working well. And, uh, I put, you know, like 1400 bucks in there. And, uh, the project, like the price of the token just like crashed. Right. And so, yeah, I'm still making money on it, but it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to recoup. I, I've, I probably will lose out on a, over a thousand bucks on it, but I know, like, I know what I did wrong. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't just buy it. Cause someone else bought it. Like I actually took the time to understand it. And like, from there I've now in my like investments or buying any other projects since then, I've used that as a lesson to not do that and hopefully not do that again in, in future projects. Right. So like to me, like, you know, and when I got into the stock market, I started with individual stocks. I lost, you know, m- most of that $400, but like I learned the lesson to not make that mistake again. Right. So it's better. 
I, I was like, it's better to lose, you know, it's, it's never good to lose money, but it's better to lose $400 than 40,000 or 400,000 down the line. Cause you're just, you know, maybe you buy what everyone else buys for a year or two and it works. And then, then you're like, then something fails and you lose it on four grand or 400,000 or 40 grand, whatever it is. And now you're, you know, now you have no like lesson to learn from it. Cause you just, and you lost a greater amount of money than if you just learned yourself failed and learned from that failure. Those are great points. I think me and Will both do, went through that when we first started. We both uh, started with options. We were both like, "Oh my God, this is the, this is it. We're gonna be rich." We're always sitting next to each other in class, like, "Oh, are you looking at this?" Acting like we knew what we were talking about, like, "Oh, the theta decay on this is this." And we're, and then, <laughs> yeah. then we look down and like three months later, and we're like, "Okay, we're both down like half of our portfolio. What do we do now?" It's like, "All right, so like, we we were both like." Oh, the stock market's a scam. Like they're just after us. They're always thinking. Really they're down period. We we, <laughs> we were boys. literally so down bad when we first started together, and then it's like now we're like, okay, let's look at this company. Let's see how much money they're making. Let's see like what their PE is. Let's find a good price to buy it. Like we we have like grown so much, like because we've learned our lessons to like not just go after what's the prettiest thing right there, mm-hmm. right then. Like we we are looking to grow our accounts long term. Yeah, like such a point of emphasis is that like when you get down because a lot of the people listening are are probably just starting or they're a way into their investment portfolio or their journey and they're just looking back and saying maybe like this isn't for me like you just have to keep going because me and Ridge like have and I'm sure this is true for you too but like we have grown so much and we are so glad that we continued because there was a point where I was like, I'm going to take everything out and just like never get back into it. But like had to come to the realization that like maybe take everything out, but just build your knowledge and then go in with a better footing. So like, that's such a good point to be made. Yeah. I think uh, especially since like 2020s crash, uh, you know, everyone kind of got in and every stock, it seemed like went up, right? It's like, you couldn't, you couldn't, you could throw a, you know, a dart at a dartboard at any stock and probably make money. Um, and so everyone was like jumping into the market, you know, make it probably making good money or making money on their portfolios growing. And then, you know, maybe, maybe not doing research, just buying whatever, buying because someone else bought on the internet or whatever. Um, and then now like the markets have turned and, you know, people are losing money or, or, you know, the portfolios are down on paper and, that's my biggest fear. I'm glad, I'm glad that, to hear that is because people jump into it, especially younger investors are like, I'm going to make all this money. Maybe they, they get a taste of a little bit of money or they don't make any money. And they just immediately be like, stock market's a scam. I can't make money. It's over. I'm never getting back into it. And it's like, you know, that that's not ideal at all. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that you guys had that and it sucks that, you know, it's obviously we don't, no one gets in the market wanting to lose money, but and you don't have to lose money to learn your lesson. Like you can learn it from us. Like we, right, exactly. we took the loss for you. Exactly. But I agree. I think there is, there is a side of like, uh, maybe they do have to experience it. I don't want, I don't wish it upon nobody, but I think it, uh, yeah, it, that's it, so true. I love it, it definitely helps, you know, like, like, uh, like I'll say like on the inverse is, you know, and I'm sure you guys probably talk about this a lot is like, you know, just dollar cost average buy, you know, just buy, maybe there's dips, buy the dips, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if your portfolio is down, like if it's a long-term don't sell, like don't run out of the market, just kind of buy and hold. Right. And, um, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm going to buy and hold But when they open their account and they're down 20%, it's a lot harder to do that. Right. If you've never been through it. So, um, sometimes you just, you just have to go through it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. it's not ideal. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
hear hear it from us is like if if your portfolio is down and you're buying not like you're buying good decent companies like app like apple stock right apple's down whatever it is on the year apple's still making money every day like it's not like just because their stock the stock is not related to the company right the company doesn't set i mean let me rephrase that the stock price is not related to the company like the company doesn't set the stock price it's the market that sets the price and so i'll get like an example is amazon in early 2000s uh i can't remember the exact year but they were down like at one point down, like, you know, over 90% their share yeah, price yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people were running out of the, 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 the share, the, the company, the, the stock. I mean, they were running away from it. Cause like, I mean, yeah, you're down 90%. That's not ideal. But I, an interview Jeff Bezos did, he was saying that in that time frame when he was watching the stock price, just go down, down, down. He's like, I was looking at our internal numbers. Our number of customers were going up. The, you know, our revenue was going up. Uh, customer spend was going up. Like all these things were going up. And so it just goes to show like sometimes, not always the case, not just because not every stock that goes down means they're doing well in, in, in the internally, but like Amazon, you know, all those people that ran away when it was down 90% are probably like, dang, I should have just held, you know, because the market, the the stock and the company are not always moving side to side, you know, like the company could be growing really, really well, but the stock could be going down because it's just, that's the stock market, right? Investors can push prices up and down. Absolutely. Maybe uh, like maybe a, a caveat in that what you said earlier of like you kind of have to experience it is just like you don't have to experience it as bad. Like with knowledge, right. maybe you do experience a loss, but then you understand why you experience it instead of like being so confused and then trying to go seek the information to understand why you experienced it. It's like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I always I always tell people to like educate, 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 and then execute on your education and then learn from it. Right. So like read a book or read a couple of books, watch YouTube videos, understand, then you go and execute, invest into whatever. And then however that goes, like go back and learn from it. If you made money, cool. Why did I make money on this? Or why did, why did I invest in this company? If you lost money or the, the stock went down and, you know, over, you know, obviously the market goes up and down every day. So like, don't just do that for one day. Cause it could, you know, but you know, over a six extended time period, why did I make money? Why did I lose money? You know, always kind of be honing your craft. Like, uh, you know, even the greatest of the greats in every pos- uh, profession, basketball, sports, business, right. They're always doing something to, you know, LeBron James isn't just sitting on the bench, you know, uh, when, when the, you know, he's, he's doing extra things behind the scenes that we're probably not watching, you know, extra practices or whatever. Um, always be honing your craft. And it's not like you have to like, you know, be doing investing and researching every day, but just like, especially when you're new, like just, like spend the time to understand, educate, educate, and then execute on the education. Yeah. Reflective growth. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we're hitting our hour mark. Uh, I want you to say one last thing before we leave, before we end the pod, what's your final takeaway for everyone who's watching? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, and I always say this is uh, just, just start like, you know, start with your education, start with a hundred dollars in the market, $50, whatever you can afford. Like, uh, you know, you can read all the books about how great the stock market is over the long term to build wealth. You can read, you know, you can listen to this podcast, you can watch YouTube videos and you, you can get the education, but your money will never work for you. If you never take the step to open up that account and just start, um, you know, I, I think the biggest, the, the hardest part will always be the first step, right? The hardest part is open that account and putting money in the market. And then, you know, let's say you put a hundred dollars in and then tomorrow or Monday, you know, the next week, the market's down and you're like, your hundred is now 98. Like that's not ideal, but um, 
you just like take the first step. And then number two is, is to like zoom out. You know, I, I think a lot of, especially younger investors or just newer investors in general is you, you get your money in the market and you want to open it up every day and like, Oh, am I up? Am I down? Am I up? Am I down? You know, I always say buy into broad market funds, especially if you're, you know, new, just diversify your money. S&P is a great way to do that. You know, not financial advice, do what you want to do. But in my opinion, S&P is a really, really good investment. You're getting 500 of the largest companies. Start there. Understand how the market works. Be okay with seeing your portfolio go up, down, up, down, up, down. And then, you know, zoom out. Think long term, right? You're not, if you, you're not going to, unless you're investing insane amounts of money or you're investing in insane amount of risk, you're not going to turn $100 into $100 million in a month, right? Absolutely. It's, gonna, it's, 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 it's a progressive uh, investment and it happens over time and it compounds and it builds and builds and builds. So zoom out, be patient, but more importantly, start today because compounding does not work with $0. You have to have at least $1 in there to, to see your money uh, grow and, and work for you. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. If you want to shout out your socials really quick at the end, I'll put them in the uh, description anyways, but... Yeah. My, my social, everything on social is just decade investor. I got a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, impersonators out there. A lot of, you know, people that create fake accounts, whatever. So it's just decade investor, no numbers, no double letters, just how you spell decade, how you spell investor, uh, no underscores or anything like that. I only have one account. So, uh, yeah, I do Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And, uh, that's where I am. Perfect. Thank you, man.